So on today's episode, which I'm calling the best of brainstorm 2021, by the way, all of these guests were amazing and we're so kind to come on the show. There's no particular order here sharing these clips. So it's not like a countdown to get to our number one or anything. I'm just sharing them uh, along the way as top shows throughout the year. Welcome to the property management brainstorm show with Bob Preston. Bob is the CEO, owner, and broker of North County Property Group, the fastest growing and top-ranked property management company in San Diego County, California. This podcast is for property managers and real estate investors who want to stay on top of leading trends in managing their property assets. You'll hear from leading professionals on the best practices for growing your property management business, successfully renting your properties, and how to make sure your properties are managed correctly. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Hello, Brainstormers. This is Bob Preston, your host of the show, broadcasting from our studio at North County Property Group in Del Mar, California. If you're new here, please subscribe so you have ongoing access to all of our great episodes. And if you like what you hear, please pay it forward with a positive review. I am so excited to be podcasting in 2022 with a refreshed slate of guests coming up and renewed personal enthusiasm in the new year. Before we jump into all the new episodes, which I have planned for the year, I wanted to go back to some of the best podcast guest conversations I had in the year 2021. So on today's episode, which I'm calling the best of brainstorm 2021, this is going to be fun. I did this last year. Hence, this is sort of a best of brainstorm volume two, if you will. Here are some other fun facts and stats about our past year of podcasting. First of all, we published over 15 hours of content in 2021. That totals about 900 minutes for your listening. And in total, we had over 30,000 downloads for the year. San Diego continues to be our largest listening audience. I guess that makes sense because that's where North County Property Group is located, my company. And North America is where 91% of our listeners reside, but we also had listeners from all over the world in regions and continents across the globe. Our most popular episode this year was number 62 about tax considerations for real estate investors. And that featured my friend Richard Hart of Hart Associates. It was downloaded more than 1,200 times. And we will hear a brief snippet of Richard coming up in a few minutes here. Our most popular five-minute Friday was number 53, top eight list of landlord responsibilities. That was downloaded 487 times. Fans of Brainstorm mostly listened on Apple Podcasts, 53% of them did, and 72% of the time it was on an Apple iOS device, and 88% of the time on a mobile device of some kind, probably in the car on your morning commute or on the treadmill at the gym working out. So yeah, just a fun look back and a report on the year, right? So let's get into the show and start sharing some best of Brainstorm for the year 2021. By the way, all of these guests were amazing and we're so kind to come on the show. There's no particular order here sharing these clips, so it's not like a countdown to get to our number one or anything. I'm just sharing them uh, along the way as top shows throughout the year. Episode 61 this year was titled Changing the Narrative and it included two great guests, Mark Scott of Encore Realty in Bonita, California, and Daniel Rogers of All Seasons LLC in Colorado Springs. Both Mark and Danielle shared their thoughts on why we need to rethink our terminology to move away from the term landlord with a preference for the term housing provider. Have a listen to this informative clip. 
Mark, you wrote an article in the June 2021 NARPA magazine, which is called Residential Resource. And the name of that article was Changing the Narrative. So I saw it and it caught my eye right away. And uh, kind of, I wonder where he's going with this. And it was specifically pertaining to the use of the term housing provider as an alternative or in lieu of the term landlord. Sort of an interesting perspective. So let's start with you. What was it that inspired you to write that article? And can you just kind of share your opening thoughts on this topic? Yeah, so a couple of things. First, um, Danielle and I sit on the uh, local government uh, uh, issues committee, and she started using housing provider and speaking about it. And then um, I'm a member of the Southern California Rental Housing Association. They've started incorporating the term and they kind of happened at the same time and meeting with elected officials, uh, especially here uh, in California, they seem to hate landlords, but no one hates housing providers. We all need our housing provider. Our residents love us and we take care of their maintenance issues. So um, we took a, what what historically maybe has been a negative term and turned it into a positive one, which is housing provider. So um, Danielle helped inspire me. Um, I called her to um, ask some questions about uh, more about how she came up with housing provider. Uh, and then also meeting with um, the Southern California Rental Housing Association and uh, incorporating it into our local association of realtors. So they all kind of happened in and around the same time and just kind of a fortuitous um, events there. So Danielle, how about you? It sounds like you started using the term housing provider. What was the inspiration or the, what precipitated that? Well, and I can't take full credit of it because I heard it from the attorney for the Colorado Association of Realtors said it first in a meeting that I was attending, but it really struck me because um, throughout the pandemic, one thing that was resonating with me was the negativity surrounding landlords um, in the media and just on social media. And um, it frustrates me because we're human people doing a job and, um, and we're being villainized and stereotyped. And so it was, it was just very discouraging. And when I heard um, that phrase of housing provider and changing, you know, the kind of the idea of changing the narrative of how uh, society looks at us. Um, I really took that to heart and said that, you know, that's something that that we need to do and that's something that I can get behind. And so I just started trying to spread that message whenever I uh, speak to groups of people. About a year ago on episode 51, Niv Davidovich of Davidovich Stein Law Group gave us an update on eviction law and squatters' rights in the state of California. This was another one of our most downloaded episodes packed with information, and here is a soundbite. Let me start just by asking, in the normal flow of process, and for reasons other than COVID, let's set COVID aside just here for a minute. What okay. are the conditions under which a landlord might consider evicting a tenant? Um, okay. So if we're setting COVID aside and we're basically saying, let's pretend COVID didn't exist, you have a few basic reasons that you can evict the tenant. Uh, I'll start with the, I, I'll say the main three, um, which are described in Code of Civil Procedure 1161, 2, 3, and 4. Two is the very simple one. Tenant doesn't pay their rent. Yeah. Um, even prior to, I mean, even during COVID and, and certainly prior to COVID, that's the vast majority of evictions that we get. Um, 1161.3 is a cure or quit. That means that a tenant is violating some provision of their lease other than failure to pay their rent. And that would be an example. Uh, examples of that would be things like 
they have more people in their unit than are allowed to. Um, so 11613 would be like, okay, they changed the locks and didn't give, didn't give the keys back to you. Um, if, if they have an obligation to pay the utilities and they didn't pay the utilities, that would be an 11613 issue. Another 11613 issue that most people don't know about is if they fail to pay late fees. You cannot put that on an 11612 failure to pay rent notice. So if there are monetary obligations other than the base rent, you have to do that as a cure or quit, not as a pay or quit. Cure or quit being 11613. Mm-hmm. Okay. 11614 is special because that is not a pay or quit or cure or quit. There is no option in 11614. It's just you got to go. It's just a notice to quit. Now, there are obviously limited circumstances when you can use one of those, um, one of them being nuisance. Uh, there are a lot of nuisances that are either not curable or you don't have to or you don't have to provide a cure. So most of the time we do 11614s when tenants are just being unruly or just straight up insane or crazy. Once they've done that and it's not an isolated incident, you don't use an 11613. You can if you want to, but you don't have to. Uh, the other the other instances where you can use an 11614 are an illegal assignment or sublet or waste. Waste is virtually never used. Waste means that they have done something to the property which is permanent and causes permanent loss of value. So it's just almost impossible to, to see situations where where that's a case, especially with residential tenants. Conceivably could happen if they burn the place down, but short of something pretty severe we very rarely use waste it's almost always nuisance or assign- or illegal assignment sublet which we actually get uh, a fair amount one of my fellow narpam regional vice presidents aj shepherd of uptown property management in portland joined me as a guest on episode 54 to talk about the ins and outs of real estate syndication AJ had a lot of great information on this episode about investing and getting others to invest in your syndication. And here we go to listen to some of AJ's quick insights. Hey, I gave a brief description of the concept during the episode introduction here, but how about for our listeners who might not be familiar with that term we're throwing around real estate syndication, I think is the term. Can you give a definition from your perspective? I mean, you seem to know a lot about it. You know what you're doing. Be really great if you could define it for our audience. Yeah. So there's, there's two different types of syndication out there. Uh, the, the first one that, that we do is project-based. So we, we go out and we find a project and then we, everything is applicable towards that project. And it, it, they, they come up intermittently in time. Uh, the other type is a fund. Uh, and, a, and a fund, they, you can raise capital and capital can kind of move in and out of the fund. And then they use that. Some of them do like hard money lending. Some of them do notes. Some of them do, you know, smaller single family homes. And then uh, kind of rinse and repeat. And they do multiple assets. So we're, we're focused on like a single asset syndication. Um, and generally it, syndication is like the pooling of money to buy a, uh, asset. Another one of our top episodes was number 59, understanding section eight and the housing choice voucher program. 
On this show, we had three guests, Tyler Craddock, who is the government affairs director for NARPM, Patty Robertson of PMI Virginia, and Amanda Hahn of Cornerstone Properties in Hawaii. I learned so much on this episode, and I still refer many of our owners to it who want to understand Section 8 and how it might be handled in regard to their rental property. You'll find this interesting. Tyler, in your capacity with NARPM, you might be best prepared to explain the overall housing voucher program policies, and maybe if there are some changes that might be coming into the fold in 2021 and beyond. Sure, happy to do it. Uh, In a nutshell, housing choice vouchers, for those who've not worked with them, in essence, a replacement for public housing. We built buildings, we built large towers in in different parts of cities, and and that's how we house people. The way the housing choice voucher program uh, developed was was as a way that, that that same consumer right can take that voucher to a participating landlord and live in a community of their choice. Patty and Amanda, any comments on that? I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts about that? Obviously, there's some new there's some reform being introduced, which Tyler's reviewed. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think you're exactly right. Um, the whole premise of the program is housing choice voucher with choice being the operative word. That means tenants should be able to take that voucher and get into a better neighborhood, a better school system, a school system where they have more resources. But the reality is these are always low-income households. And low-income households, they do have to have have some kind of income to be in the program. So if if they don't have disability and social security, that means they have to work. And most of them have children. And if you work and have children, that means you have to have child care. And child care is very, very expensive. There's very yeah. few resources available uh, for child care, even though they do have resources available for rent and, you know, food stamps and 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 some, some other things. So the re- while they can take their voucher and live any place they want, transportation is all oftentimes some an issue. Either they don't have a car, so they're using public transportation, or they have undependable transportation, or just the budget of gas every week is a significant uh, budget item in you know a low-income household. So the rea- while they can take their voucher any place they want, the reality is they end up wanting to stay near family members so that they have some help with child care. So those pockets of poverty where they came from, they end up in my vantage point in my world going back and choosing to live in those in those neighborhoods because they need to live near their aunt, near their grandma, near their mother, their sister, so that they can have some help with child care. No, those are really, really good points. Amanda, how about you and your experience in Hawaii? What are you seeing? Sure. So in Hawaii, we have, you know, different people helping us, whether they're section eight the state or whether they're through the county, you know, it's like everything works a little bit differently depending on who we're working with. So there's not much consistency there. Every time we are helping with section eight tenant, we're not exactly sure how it's going to go. And that's always makes it really difficult. And we're professional property managers, right? So a lot, our biggest competition here in Hawaii, you know, for clients is actually the mom and pop owners who are managing it themselves. And it's like, if we can't figure out how to work with Section 8 program, how are they going to figure it out, right? So it's very daunting for most people. So I think here the biggest problem is that it's just working with Section 8. Episode 53 featured my friend and guest Brad Larson of RentWorks San Antonio. This was early last year, and we got into opportunities that were popping up and presenting themselves that existed for property management companies in this amazing industry of ours. Brad is a well-known guy in the industry and has a couple of his own podcasts, so always great to hear what Brad has to say. 
Last year, uh, 2020 was pretty much a time warp, very strange year. I know at my business, we had tons of plans, growth plans. We wanted to start some new initiatives and had lots of goals, many of which had to be tabled for a period of time, right? Because of the COVID crisis. So here we are, 2021, we're chomping at the bet to get going, right? We want to see what we can do, what opportunities are out there that we can work on. You talked to a lot of people in in the industry. Is that a common theme you're hearing out there? Oh, absolutely. We're, a lot of us have had to regroup and yeah. kind of start over because you get going into that mid-March, April timeframe and all of a sudden, bam, it hits you in the face. So all those initiatives that you had put together for 2020 all got put to, put to the back burner. And then it all became about PPP money and making sure you can survive. And okay, there's an eviction moratorium going on and I can't charge late fees and I can't evict people. And and all these government dictates were coming down to include having to work from home and, and all these different things that, that really kind of hit some of us uh, square the jaw in a big surprise. Now, a lot of us came out probably better than they went in. Yeah. And so if you want to think about that side, I mean, I know it's bad. We have a half million debts. It's never a good thing. Of course, I can't understate that because that's, that's really bad. But the other side of this is uh, as a positive person, I always try to look for the positive thing in this. And, you know, we were able to take and use good use of that PPP money and reorganize the business and compensate our employees and keep everybody on. But we also all in the industry sort of kind of learned how to work from home, how to work remotely, how to do things without having to be there in person, such as all of a sudden everybody wanted to do online applications. Yeah. And all of a sudden all wanted to do online payments. And, you know, they had all these different things they all of a sudden wanted to do. Uh, like zero touch leasing is another one. Mm-hmm. They want to do it that to where, you know, a year prior, they're like, no, I'll just do my way. And that's it. I'm good with that. But when forced to, it really did start to change the industry. And it made a lot of people step into a different era of doing business. So it, we're seeing that as a whole to where uh, it's, it's elevating the industry as, you know, as a conglomerate to make it look better and act better. And plus just a better system to place. And that's, that's kind of a neat thing that came out of that whole deal if you have to look for at least one positive. Another one of my guests who has his own podcast was Joe Easton from the company Rent Manager. Joe also had me on his podcast, so that was kind of fun too. On our brainstorm episode, we talked about property management software, the various players, and where the software he represents, Rent Manager, fits into the mix. Have a listen. Fast forward to today, there's lots of platforms out there and it seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but they could almost be positioned on a spectrum, right? At one end of the spectrum, you have lower end platforms like Cozy, you know, kind of intended maybe for self-managing landlords. And then you got the ultra high end, the Yardy Voyager, which is extreme high end asset managers with thousands and thousands of properties. And there are several other property management software companies kind of maybe in between. If you agree with that, where does rent manager fall on that spectrum? Yeah, there definitely is a spectrum. Um, Right, we're all positioned uniquely, theoretically, to help specific types of customers. So uh, I would say we're kind of different in the fact that we really kind of help a wide range of customers. Um, we work with a lot of smaller operators with dozens or hundreds of units, all the way up to large operators with tens of thousands of units. Um, and I think we're a little unique there in the fact that our product, and we use the same platform for all of our customers, is able to be really be customized and it's flexible in a way that no matter how large or small you are, you can find value there. Um, I would typically say that we are 
pretty forward and upfront, you know, mid-market is really kind of where we fall. You know, high hundreds to several thousands of units are probably the type of customers that can leverage our software the best. But really, no matter how large or small you are, we probably have a good fit for you. On episode 60, we had some of my favorite people in the NARPM organization as guests. Liz Clayman from Grace Property Management in Thornton, Colorado, and she is also this year's NARPM president. Kelly Tollefson of T-Square Properties in Bothell, Washington, and she's one of our NARPM past presidents. And Kathleen Richards of PM Made Easy and the property management coach from Santa Cruz, California. All three of these wonderful guests gave their reasons why we all need to take a step back from time to time as property managers, have some time away on vacation, and the benefit that results from having that downtime. Enjoy this snippet. So Kathleen, how about we start with you on that one? Thanks for having me. This is such a great topic and happy to be here with you. Um, So my husband windsurfs up at the Columbia River Gorge. And back in the day, I couldn't be away from the office. I would like fly up for a three-day weekend. And um, this year I went for a full month and did no work. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. As a entrepreneur, um, it felt really, really, really uncomfortable to not kind of be working and doing something. But let's pop over to uh, Liz. Why don't you tell us about yourself and about your most recent vacation? Yes, absolutely. Uh, This summer, we had the pleasure. My husband and I travel a good bit. We try to travel three weeks out of the year, um, every year, religiously. So this summer, we went to Cancun, Mexico for a week to celebrate our 22nd wedding anniversary. It was fantastic. It was relaxing. And I cannot say I did not work. I actually (laughs) did work while I was there. I even had a closing on a triplex. So that's kind of the give and take of traveling a good bit, being able to keep up with my duties while I am away. And of course, keeping the um, everything going in a forward motion. Absolutely. Kelly, how about you? Thanks, Bob. It's great being here with you. As far as vacations, you know, we've had Tom and I, my husband and I own the company together and we have not taken a true vacation probably since we've owned the company as far as completely disengaging. And we struggle together. I really work hard to disengage every weekend. Um, and that gives me uh, the energy to come back and give it all on the weekdays. So the weekends really work for me. But what I will say is that he likes that blended lifestyle, that work-life integration. Everything can operate while I'm gone, but it gives me a better opportunity to relax when I know everything's kind of smoothly running, which I know it is. They know how to reach me if it's not, but that's never happened. I mentioned earlier that Richard Hart was one of our top episodes in terms of listens and downloads. So pay attention here and listen up to a clip from episode 62, Tax Considerations for Real Estate Investors. Richard covered a bunch of topics. All of them could have been their own episodes from 1099s to 1031 exchanges. Here's a clip. Tax advisor and preparer, I mean, you specialize in real estate, property managers, investors. What would you say is the most common mistake or maybe a misconception that you encounter when working with these types of companies, you know, property managers, investors, or real estate? The most common mistake is people tend to be reactionary as opposed to being proactive. What I mean by that is they wait until they're ready to file their taxes and then they realize all the the things, the options that they could have had during the the prior year. So reactionary, 
they find out they owe X amount of dollars and now they're in a panic or they need to hit the bar. That's reactionary. Proactive is you make a plan for the upcoming year to align with your goals so that you can take advantage of a lot of uh, tax deductions that are available to you. And also so that you know exactly, okay, I'm going to owe X amount of dollars during tax time. Sure. Because that's another problem is by the time it's tax time, all the money's been spent and now you don't have the money to pay the taxes. And now you're behind the eight ball and it's extremely hard to get get ahead of that once you get into that position. So I would say that's the biggest problem, that people are uh, reactionary as opposed to being proactive. And a part of that too is tax preparers and tax accountants. It's a wide field. So what do I mean by that? If you go to the doctor and you have a heart problem, you're not going to go to a podiatrist, right? They're both good, yeah. good, good doctors, maybe the best in the field, but you're going to go to the one who specializes in your issue. Likewise with the accounting and tax preparers. There are a lot of good tax preparers out there, a lot of good accountants out there, but you need to find someone who specializes in real estate because otherwise you're going to miss a lot of opportunities. And again, a good tax preparer or accountant that specializes in real estate is going to be proactive and help helping to ask you the questions that you didn't even think about and setting up a strategy for the upcoming year for you, know, for you and your business. Wow, that was super fun going back and listening to these snippets. I hope you enjoyed it too. This group of guests represent some of the top leaders and influencers in the property management industry. If you've not listened to the full episodes yet, I would encourage you all to go back and have a listen to the individual episodes because most of these guests had so much to say and they share some fantastic knowledge. I know 2022 is going to be another robust year on Property Management Brainstorm and I can't wait to keep it going to bring you some more valuable content. As we wrap up today, I'd like to make another quick plug to our listeners to click on the subscribe button and give us a like. Also, please pay it forward with a positive review to help encourage more great guests to come on the show. And that concludes today's episode of the Property Management Brainstorm. Thank you for joining today. Until next time, we will be in the field working hard for our clients to maximize their rental income and property value while maintaining top tenant relations. We'll catch you next time.